Welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Rice, and today I have Matt Gallant with us. And Matt is a part of the holy trinity of the non-jobs event that I attended last October. And in case you haven't heard about that or you didn't hear that episode, Matt Gallant, along with Elliot Hulse and Dave Rule, put together the non-jobs event and I went to it. I'm a supporter of what they do. You've just heard Elliot a few episodes back. And Dave, several months ago, was on the show. So I finally got Matt on. And I'll tell you something about Matt. Matt blew me away with his presentation at the non-jobs event. And he is a specialist in marketing. And he's known as the mad marketing scientist because he's so good at it. And one of the reasons that... I asked Matt to be on is because I was having a conversation with uh, a couple of the listeners of the Legendary Live podcast, and I was telling them, come on, guys, you don't understand. There's so many opportunities available to you today, and uh, there are so many people you haven't heard of that are living extraordinarily enjoyable lives. And they're like, like who? I don't know. Because typically we see the people who don't have anything or in the same situation as ourselves, or we see like celebrities on TV. We don't see these people in between who are flying below the radar, yet enjoying a very, very high quality, enjoyable life. And Matt is one of those guys. And he has a really interesting story. He started out in fitness, worked his way to doing seminars with a former Navy SEAL who was like a student of one of Bruce Lee's top students. And and they were doing seminars. And he went on to build several businesses, including supplement business and and a business consultation service and and more. And you're going to hear a lot of that. You're going to hear why everybody needs to learn marketing. I know that's not like, oh, well, can't wait for that. But hear me out because this is going to change your idea about how to be more successful in your business. We also get into health and fitness. And Matt, being a guy who is not only an entrepreneur, but a former fitness professional, has a a very interesting take on health and fitness and how he stays at his best. And he's going to give you some killer recommendations as to fitness and especially with supplements and a little bit of biohacking too. So, Enjoy this interview with Matt Gallant. You're going to learn a lot, so make sure you take notes. Let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Rice, and today I have Matt Gallant with us. Matt is known as the mad marketing scientist. He's built multiple seven-figure businesses. He's a serial entrepreneur, but he also has a really interesting path because he's been in the fitness business like myself. And uh, he's got a really cool story about how he was teaching self-defense seminars with a a Navy SEAL. And man, you, you also are into music like I am. You're into songwriting. So this is going to be a really interesting discussion. Oh, and I forgot, almost forgot. I was at the non-jobs event in October, 2014. I've had Elliot on the show, Dave on the show, and now I have you on the show. And I'll tell you, Matt, I loved Elliot's uh, presentation. I love Dave's presentation as well, but you blew me away with some of your marketing material. And I was like, man, I need to connect with that guy eventually. So it's happening now, man. So thank you for being on the show. 
Well, it's a real pleasure. It's funny because I've been following you on Facebook, and I know we're kindred spirit by just by the things that you're into and and all the things that you love. So. I'm Very excited. cool. Well, I have a, a great question for you, or at least I think it's great, but I'm always wondering, like someone like yourself who has, man, you have a supplement business, you have a business where you help other people build mm-hmm. their businesses. When someone asks you, hey, Matt, uh, you know, someone who doesn't know you and, and not familiar with your work, when they ask you, Matt, so what do you do? What do you answer to that? <laughs> that, that is a great question. And it's funny because I come up with a strategy and you know, I try to come up with the most optimal answer. <laughs> it's almost like a, a diamond where you can change the angles and it looks quite different. So depending on who I'm talking to, what context, obviously if I'm at a health and fitness conference or at a expo show, it's, it's all about the supplements, right? We used to go to NAM, which is the big national association of music merchants, Obviously, it's all about that. So, you know, if I can get to know what the person wants or needs, then I might tell them that I'm in a few things, but I'll focus on what I think is going to serve them the most. But it can be challenging sometimes. Yeah, with all your diverse interests. And uh, Mm -hmm. I always love to hear how people answer that question because how we answer it is... Like you said, it's important, but I love your answer where you think about the context. You don't just go into robot mode and just, mm-hmm. I am Matt Galan, I, you know, mad marketing scientist. You think about the people you're talking to and the event or the event that you're at and you tailor it so it makes sense that you would be there because you're not going to be talking about supplements at national, at, at NAM. Right, exactly. Know? Yeah, cool. Well, I've heard a bit of your story. I remember some very cool parts to it, but I'd love to hear how this whole journey into entrepreneurship and what you're doing now, how did that start for you? And how did those experiences play into who you are and what you do today? I think, you know, it started with the newspaper route and it sounds funny, but delivering newspapers at 12 for seven years, it really gave me a sense of freedom. I love being able to more or less go whenever I, I wanted to go, get on my bike, not have a supervisor, not have a boss. That gave me my first taste of freedom, if you will. Now, obviously, I wasn't passionate about that, so it doesn't qualify as a non-job. But it was still a good taste. From then, at 16, I started playing guitar at 12. I was completely obsessed and passionate about it, played three, four hours a day. By the age of 16, I started giving guitar lessons. So that was really like my first non-job, which as a non-job, you need to have, it needs to be your passion, you need to have money-making skills, and you need to serve your audience. And I was able to give guitar lessons and did that for a few years. Then I really got into working out at the same time, became obsessed with that. I'm kind of an obsessive guy and went to study kinesiology and all that and started training people as well around the age of 20, 21. And that was amazing. That was so fulfilling, right? And I know you're into fitness as well, so you understand. And in fact, the way I really got into it is... One of my best friends weighed about 400 pounds, never had a date in his life, was around 19, 20 years old. And he started working out with me together. Well, he did the the weight loss, but he lost 190 pounds in 18 months. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then got married and, you know, so I I lived the change with them and and that was it, right? I was completely hooked to the, the experience and the power that we have as trainers to influence and help people along their journey. 
So I got my degree in kinesiology and science of physical activity and then got into personal training. So that was really like my second non-job. And as I was doing that, again, I'm just by nature, I like studying a lot of different things. At one point or another, it just hit me that marketing is the key to, to business. Mm. You can't generate sales without sales and marketing. Like you did, that's the, the, the lifeblood of revenue. I mean, unless you're a super established brand, but that takes years or decades or whatnot. But you know, as a, a new business starting out, it's almost 100% about sales and marketing. So I got obsessed about that and became passionate about that and started studying the masters, went to their seminars, bought the tapes, did the exercises, hired the mentors, got my ass kicked over and over again by them. And finally, they said, you know, you're good enough. And I launched a skincare product online and then they, so on and so forth. So I, I don't want to get too deep into the details of that. But that's the quick overview. And there's a lot of other journeys along in there, like the self-defense stuff, which I did for uh, six, seven years, which, is, again, was also a, a passion and, and a fun. Yeah. So it's interesting because... At least this was my impression when I first started getting into this whole business thing, because uh, unlike you, you kind of figured it out and said, hey, this marketing thing, this is no matter what I want to do, I need to be able to communicate the value in what I do so that people mm-hmm. understand it. I, it's not good enough to just be technically proficient, but mm-hmm. I struggled. I was, I kind of, I spent all my money instead of on marketing like you did and learning marketing. <laughs> I got more certifications and went to more seminars, learning more technical stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. man, can you talk a little bit about what marketing is? Because I think a lot of people don't understand you know, they hear that term, they're like, oh, that's like those ads on TV that I, that, <laughs> I, that I wish I could fast forward, but they make me watch 30 seconds of it. Can you explain it a little bit more so it, it's relevant to maybe the person who doesn't have as much uh, business experience? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's funny that, that I don't think I've heard anybody ask that in a long time, but it is a great question. To me, marketing is about communicating the values of the product or service in a way that matches the audience that I'm going for is desire, right? So you have these this group of people that you want to serve and that group has desires or problems and you have a business that can solve those problems or fulfill those desires. Your mission with your marketing is to create the right message, the right packaging, the right frame around the marketing message where it appeals, it entices, it draws people in and eventually persuades them to take the action that you want them to take. So, you know, there's a lot to marketing, right? There's a lot of persuasion. There's a lot of grabbing people's interests. It's really applied psychology. That's one of my favorite definitions of marketing, right? It's really psychology at play, you know, and, and you're appealing to all aspects of, again, sometimes you hit people's fears, Sometimes you hit people's passions. Sometimes you hit people's ambitions. There's a lot of ways you can go at it. And I love that component of it. I love the unlimited creativity that is available to us as marketers, right? At the end of the day, you have to try a lot of different things and see what works. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I like the way you said that. And although this is mostly about health and fitness, I love this talk because, uh, I mean, the show is mostly about health and fitness. At least I say that, but I interview a ton of different people about all sorts of things like Dan Pena, like uh, you've been a fan <laughs> of his for a long time. But man, marketing is, I think, a, a good way that a way that I think about it in my less educated mind is like if I wanted to ask a girl out, I wouldn't go up to her and go, hey, you're hot. Uh, go out with me sometime. You know, that you would be like, hey, what's your name? Oh, are you from around? You would, there would be a smoother way to communicate your interest and to be cool if they weren't interested in you because you're looking to match, like you said earlier, looking to match what you do with what people want or what they're afraid of and helping them out in some way. And man, it's, I think that's a really, it's just one of those things that, just can take your whole life to a different level because like you said, it's applied psychology. It's understanding people better, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that, I love understanding human behavior. There's so much to human behavior. First, you have lizard men, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> the lizard brain, and, and there's a lot to that, right? Then on top of that, you have the emotional brain and you have, if you could, if you want to say people's egos, and there's, there's so many layers to that. And then, it just goes on and on. So yeah, human behavior is absolutely fascinating. And as marketers, it's a lot of fun to study these different things and try things. And then you really get to see what works and what doesn't work. And it's the same thing with sales. And sales is a different component of it because you get to see face-to-face, there's body language, there's all these other components that come in that you don't necessarily get with marketing where it's not face-to-face. Yeah, that's really cool. And I want to come back to this later when we talk about non-jobs, but what would be your number one marketing book if someone's like, man, this sounds kind of interesting, even though I wasn't necessarily like, I never thought about marketing in this way before. What would be your number one book for the guy listening right now to go check out on marketing? Uh, that's a tough question. I really, a lot of Dan Kennedy stuff is really good. And he's got so many books, it's hard to say which one. Ultimate Sales Letter is a really good book. It's like a $10 book on you can pick up on Amazon. So I would say I think for most people, Dan Kennedy's library is, is a great place to start. And for everybody listening to this podcast, if you have a business, you definitely should really get into marketing on some level. Just get into it, understand it, study it, appreciate it, and for sure it's going to grow your business. How about this, Matt? What if there's a a few guys out there listening, because I know there are, mm -hmm. who work for someone else, is marketing important for them? Well, absolutely. You know, here's the thing, right? If you're good at marketing, and if you get really good at marketing, you can write your own ticket. Like the, the amount of power that you have is kind of amazing. And I'll tell you, I could just blow up all my business today, and I could go find a new gig every single day. When I say a gig, I don't necessarily mean just a job. If you're good at marketing, you can partner up with people constantly. I mean, because there's a lot of people that have amazing products and they're lost, right? They don't know marketing. They don't know how to get it out there. So I get approached all the time, probably on average a couple times a week for people that, you know, partner up, want me to do this, want me to do that. And, you know, I don't have the time. So there's so much opportunity out there. So if you are working for someone else, either A, you'll rise to the top of your organization or B, you're going to go find another opportunity that's even bigger and better. So there yeah. you go. 
Well said. We're all marketing ourselves, either it's to clients or to our boss for a raise or a promotion or a partnership, whatever it is. We're always marketing, right? Yeah. Here's the thing about, about making money. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to get a certain percentage of the money that you generate out there. It's really that simple. So if you think about marketing, if you're able to generate a lot of money for an organization, you can make a deal where you get a piece of that and that's where you're gonna make a lot of money. So I think a lot of people aren't clear about that component. At the end of the day, your value as an employee or as an entrepreneur, the financial aspect is directly tied to how much money that you're able to generate or how much you're able to generate for the organization. So if you're a good marketer and you go out there and you generate 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 million dollars for them, and you, again, you got to create the right deal. You can be rewarded very handsomely. Wow. There you yeah. go. So get marketing in your head. It's relevant to you whether you are in business for yourself or working for someone else. Get it. Start by getting into Dan Kennedy's library, which I've never read any of his books. I definitely have to get into it. I've, I've been doing some other stuff, but uh, I definitely need to pick one of his books up because it keeps coming up. I actually interviewed Brian Horn. He studied under Dan Kennedy and, and brought him up as well. Just keeps coming up. Well, Matt, let's take a little bit of a different direction. I want to hear that story about, you know, martial arts, mm -hmm. how you got into it. And I would love to hear that story again, where you got into business with, uh, you had a business partner teaching self-defense seminars. It was pretty funny. So could you share that story, just how you got into martial arts and how you took it into an entrepreneurial arena and mm -hmm. your experiences with it? I did a little bit of martial arts as a kid and it wasn't super exciting. It wasn't what I wanted it. So I, I kind of left. But when I was 18, 19 years old, thank God for marketing, I received a sales letter in the mail with a nickel scotch taped on top. And the letter proceeded to tell me that in this club in Tulsa, your life wasn't worth the nickel. It wasn't worth a nickel, right? Wow. <laughs> and it proceeded, it proceeded to tell the story of this man who rubbed the head of a neo-Nazi skinhead and said, nice haircut, buddy. The three, <laughs> of them, the, the three of them rose up, cornered him, and he beat the crap out of the first two guys and the third guy ran. So that was the story, of, of course, really intriguing. It was an amazing sales letter. And the really wild part about that is it was written by John Carlton, who later, years later, became my copywriting mentor. But I, obviously, I didn't know anything at the time about marketing or copywriting. So but just it's a funny world, right? Yeah. So bought the product and got it. It was called Combat JKD with Christoph Clarkson. And just loved it. You know, it was it was exactly, you know, the guy that he had trained under, I guess, was second generation JKD. But those guys had really gone to the streets and really been playing around there and testing things. So it, it was really all about being as effective, as brutal, as practical. And he was, and Clarkson's a genius. You know, I will say this, like his, I, I don't know where his IQ's at. He's always learning languages. He's fluent in six, seven languages and has studied dozens of other languages. And his ability to put stuff together in unique ways is, is nothing short of, of fascinating. So I contacted him and said, hey, you know, I'd love to train with you. He's like, yeah, I'm doing seminars in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So now I'm 19 years old in university. I don't have money. And I really wanted to train. 
So I say, well, how much would it cost to bring you here? And I'm thinking, well, I can put together a group and sell it and, and you know, break even at least. And yeah, that's, that's an awesome idea, Matt. Yeah, that's, and that's what I did. So <laughs> I put on an event. I'd never done that in my life and you know, broke even, which was a, a big victory. And I think we did like 36 events in six years. So I would fly him up every, every few months and uh, did a lot of training with him. So yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Trained every day. I was I was just again passionate, obsessed. So this was before, like even before UFC. Like the UFC just started when we got into it. So what we were doing was really self defense, and and when I say self defense, like Krav Maga style, and then we did you know MMA as well. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Of course, grappling, we did it all. But it was really a lot of self-defense, and that changed my psyche a lot. You know, that's how I became, I would say, a, a fully formed warrior. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, wasn't there something about him, like, being a little crazy or, I mean, not in a bad way, but just a wild dude? Well, he is a wild dude. <laughs> I'm not sure which story you're alluding to, so... But yeah, he's a wild dude and we would do, <laughs> one of the things that we did that was, that was interesting, we would do these will drills and we would do will drills to literally build up our pain tolerance. And I've been told by a couple of people, interestingly enough, that, you know, I had the highest pain tolerance they've ever seen, including the doctor that uh, treated my bullet wounds. I got robbed and shot one time. <laughs> so it must have worked. But yeah, we would do things like eat habanero peppers every two minutes and see who would stop, who would quit. Believe it or not, that's still to this day one of the most painful things ever did. Man, all I'm thinking about when you say that, I think I could handle it going down, but it would be like a few hours later that I really, <laughs> really kick my ass, literally. Yeah, about yeah. 18 hours later. But it was interesting, right? We would do that. And of course, most people would naively eat the first one. And it was always a lot of fun to see how people would react. Because you really get to see how people can people do with pain. <laughs> the really tough people would eat at least two, so that was it was interesting times. But yeah, we would do stuff like that, and I mean the guy's 53. He's in the Philippines right now, learning uh, stick fighting, like Cali Escrima. Yeah, yeah, he's that's who he is. He's been a professional fighter in four different sports. I was fighting Muay Thai at 50 in the ring, so yeah, he's he's not your normal guy. <laughs> Wow, that is awesome. I've heard his name. I know I've seen him probably in like Black Belt magazine and, and some other right. things, but I grew up in South Florida. So we had a JKD school here, but man, it was like I was broke at the time. I didn't even have a car. I couldn't go to it. I was doing karate. And then later on, I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and that mm -hmm. was on Miami Beach, but I've always wanted to try JKD. Well, listen, you said something that I agree with 100% and it training in martial arts made you into a fully formed warrior. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how that type of training, learning those techniques, developing pain tolerance and all the other crazy things you did, how did all that factor into what you went on to do after that and who you became after that training? I think Obviously, we all face fears. We all have fears and doubts and things. And the stronger your warrior spirit is, the less these fears and doubts will stop you from moving forward. At the end of the day, being courageous is feeling the fear just walking right past it or right through it. 
And having a fully formed warrior spirit, obviously, is the key to that. And I look out in life and, you know, the people that are holding back or are scared to do stuff, I feel that most of the time they haven't gone through an experience that has built up a, a fully formed warrior spirit. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, when, when you go to the dojo the first time, you're scared, right? Am I going to yeah. get beat up? Am I going to get knocked out? Is my arm going to get ripped apart? So that's scary. And if you have a good trainer or a good gym or a good club that you're part of, you just progressively get toughened up. You get progressively challenged. You get progressively pushed just like any physical endeavor. And you just get tougher. You just get more endurance. You just be able to, to you believe in yourself more. And I know you talk a lot about confidence. My confidence doubled or tripled or quadrupled or quintupled during that time, which obviously helped me with women, helped me with business, it helped me everywhere. You know, but there was just a I knew there, there was a certain point where I could defend myself in 99.9% of situations, right? And that knowledge just gave me a, a completely different demeanor. My confidence was just at a different dimension. Yeah, man, that was so well said and I feel exactly the same way. And you what you said it was so many guys out there are just afraid to take action. And it's not a fear that it's like, well, I certainly don't want to jump out of that airplane with no parachute. I'm afraid of that. It's not something where it's like, of course you, you don't want to do that or try to stand on a car going a hundred miles an hour. That's like, that's not smart. That's a, a rational fear, but it's irrational fear. It's the fear that you might fail or not feel good or someone won't like you. If you get out there and say what you feel and spread your message and there's not really a big repercussion, even if someone doesn't like you or if your first business fails, especially if it's an online business, you know, but you know, you said it was, they're lacking that fully formed warrior spirit and doing something like martial arts can help you develop that. That I've never heard it put that way. And I've, I've talked a lot about this stuff, but I love the way you said that it makes so much sense. And if you're listening right now and if you have something in your life that you're not going after, that you're not trying to make happen, and it's simply because you have some fear, then you need to get your ass in some form of martial art class. Krav Maga, Muay Thai, JKD, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, something that will mm -hmm. help you develop that. What would be your number one pick for martial art for if someone asks you, hey, Matt, what martial art should I study? I'm brand new, never trained anything before. I would say go train with Clarkson, but he's he's hard to find. And he really created his own thing. He, Man, he's he, in the Philippines to, doing <laughs> yeah, stick Philippines fighting. In Thailand, yeah. But uh, short of training with him, I would say probably Krav Maga. Because the thing is, you're learning things that are practical. I used to teach women self-defense. And again, it's it's empowering. I love jiu-jitsu. I love grappling. I love that a lot. But you know, in terms of self-defense, you, know, you don't want to be on your back uh, in, in a bar or, or in the streets. So I love Krav Maga just because, again, the practicality component of it. It's also a wicked workout, and that's great. You know, Jiu-Jitsu is great, too. I mean, Jiu-Jitsu, the bonding that happens when you grapple with another man, you know, that's a lot of fun, too, because you can't really spar Krav Maga. You know, we couldn't spar the stuff we did. We drilled it. We trained it. But, I mean, you just injure yourself, right? Yeah, so, but absolutely. With Jiu-Jitsu, jiu it's fun, though. You can go 100%. And you just go for it and, and not hurt each other. So I, I love both. I think if you're looking for a, 
a man-to-man experience, then jiu-jitsu is a great bet. And if you're looking for something practical and, I mean, don't make your own jiu-jitsu is an amazing workout, but Krav Maga, I like the, the practicality of it. So if you're into rolling around with half-naked, sweaty men, do jiu-jitsu, but if you really, <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. And I can make that joke because I've been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time. But hey, you brought up something important about the whole on your back in, in a street fight. And mm-hmm. man, I tell you, I bounced in clubs and that would be the last, I mean, uh, place that I would want to end up if something ever did go down for, or fortunately, I almost said unfortunately, but maybe I was a Freudian slip. I don't know, but nothing ever. I've had guys up in my face and all sorts of things happen. I've had to throw guys out, but yeah, never turned into anything really, really big. Hey, well, Matt, you also said, we talked a little bit before we hopped on, you talked about like you were robbed and Mm -hmm. uh, you actually got shot in the process and mm-hmm. I didn't want to hear the story then because I wanted to, to hear it now. Can you talk about what happened? Because I think not sure. only is it an interesting experience to hear about just in general, but you're also a trained martial artist and you train specifically self-defense, not sport jujitsu with the 50-50 guard and the, the barambolo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, for all my jujitsu guys listening right now, but can you talk about what happened and yeah, and, and how the self-defense played into that. And just, well, just- well, I'm, I'm going to start the story by saying I think the self-defense is the reason I got shot. And here's what <laughs> happened. Yeah, so okay. here's what happened. So I had just gone to Awesomeness Fest, which is a really a great event done by Vision, by Mind Valley, And I come back to Panama the next day. It's where I live. So my car battery was dead. I was going to go pick up a friend that was just in town. And I go to the car, car's dead. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hop in a cab and go pick them up. So I go in front of my, in front of my building. It's a really nice neighborhood. And I flag down a, a taxi. And, you know, the guy's like, where are you going? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going nearby to the Trump Tower. And he says, okay, hop in. Now, I go, I try to step in the back of the, the vehicle, and there's two guys there. Now, in Panama, it's relatively normal to share cab rides and I should, you know, again, this is where I wasn't my self-defense reflexes or just caution because caution is half the game when it's out there on the streets, right? Sure. And I just said, okay, I'm just going to jump in the front. So I jump in the front and right away, the guy behind me grabs my shirt and pulls it back, right? So like within one second, I'm like, okay, fuck, I'm getting robbed. I'm getting jacked. I'm going to grab the door handle, break his fingers and just jump out. Like that's within one second, that's what happens. So I spin around and I grab the guy's hand and the other guy that's behind the driver just shoots me right away. I didn't know they had a gun. I didn't know what was going on in terms of what they had for weapons or whatnot. So it was just literally within like one and a half to two seconds, I go from knowing I'm getting jacked to getting shot. And fortunately, because I spun around to grab the guy's hand, the bullet went in my wrist. Otherwise, it would have gone in my neck. So it was really close to being a really bad situation. And I didn't even know I was shot right away. There was a little bit of a ringing, and I smelled the gunpowder. And then I turned around, and I see the guy, and he's looking at me, and he tells, tells me, just give me all your shit, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Wow. So I, anyways, I give him my wallet, give him my phone, and fortunately, they, they let me out as soon as they had my stuff. So I come out of the car, and I'm bleeding from both hands because it grazed the other one. And I just ran home. It was, I was close enough to be able to, to run home. Of course, running, the blood's just pumping everywhere. 
and called my buddy up and I said, hey man, sorry, I can't, I can't go hang out with you tonight. I just got robbed and shot. He's like, mate, are you fucking kidding me, man? This guy's from Australia and, and so I couldn't go pick him up and I called my credit card, canceled it and just, just went to the hospital and that was it, man. So that was a, a pretty wild experience. Yeah. And uh, I think we... I scared them though. Going back to what I said to start the story, I think I scared them and I think he just reacted and pulled the trigger because usually in Panama, there might be some petty crime. I mean, it happens, but very rarely does it get violent. And obviously he didn't shoot me again. So I think, again, I, I just freaked them out. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I laughed when you said that, I was like, mm-hmm. man, that was not what I was expecting you let me start this story about how I got robbed and shot by saying the reason I got shot was because of my self-defense training. <laughs> yeah, but but, but that's, a, that's a free thing. I think, I, again, had I known they had a gun, I would have reacted very differently. I would have just handed them the stuff, right? So, but I mean, again, I'm, you know, you're so trained to just respond, right? You know, just respond first and figure out things later. And that certainly didn't serve me that in that moment. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and of course, and if someone who doesn't understand martial arts and the training that's involved and the mindset that's involved, the warrior mindset, they're like, well, obviously you just you know, but it really is, man. You don't know. You don't know if they want to kill you, right? You don't know if your life is on the line. You don't know what's going on. You just have that split second, and like you said, it happened in two seconds. That's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. What do you think would have happened? How do you think it would have went down had you not? I know this is a weird question, probably obvious, but what would have happened if you had never been like trained in martial arts? I think I would have frozen up and just probably given them my stuff, you know? Yeah. And they would have probably let me go. I mean, that's how I think it would have played out because, again, you know, they, it stopped there for them. Cause I'm more like you, man. Um, yeah. I'm like ready to, you know, I, I live in Miami beach. A lot of people think it's uh, all funny games here. And, and for the most part it is, but I've nearly been jacked a few times when I was with Giselle and they wanted her money. They, they want uh, her purse one time. And then she was had money in her hand and she was putting it into this parking kiosk that you have to pay to park. Cause you got to pay to park everywhere in Miami beach. But man, it was just like, you know, about to react and do something but if they had a gun or a knife you know it's uh what would have happened i would have went from being like mr tough guy going from zero to 100 to like whoa okay what do you want you know it's tough situation yeah you know in life this this is a principle that i live by that i recommend everybody embraces And, and in life it's about maximizing your chances of success and minimizing the risk. You know, if you can take risk down to zero with with your life, with your business, with whatever you're trying to do, and it's never zero, but I'm just saying as a matter of principle, then you do it. And, and, you know, obviously when you're facing a gun versus facing a knife versus facing hand to hand, the risk level changes quite a bit. So yeah, when you're facing a gun, most of the time, unless it's really close and you've trained that a lot and you can train it, it's trainable. Your best move usually is to just give them stuff. And same thing with knives, right? I mean, I've done a lot of knife training, and it's completely different than any type of, of other stuff. A lot of the instincts that martial artists have will get them killed in a knife fight. You know, you yeah. don't want to be grabbing the wrong stuff and trying to get, you know, like there's certain positions that you're going to instinctively try to do or get into that are really going to put you in a bad angle 
to relative to, to the knife. So yeah, it's again, minimize risk and maximize the, the chances of success. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that story. I mean, it's something that I've never had to deal with and something that concerns me. And yeah, you, you just gave me a different perspective. And so thanks for sharing, man. That's pretty crazy, wild story. I got a question for you though. You know, you've built these businesses, you've been very successful. Why did you choose Panama out of all the different places, the US, staying in Canada, Costa Rica, any of the other, I know a lot of entrepreneurs are in, I guess, Southeast Asia. Why do you uh, live in Panama? Yeah, well, it's funny. When I was early 20s, I read a couple of books that really changed my thinking. One of them was Permanent Traveler. It's a great book. It's one of these books that you know, really cemented my vision of what I wanted my life to be. I uh, read another book called Global Wealth Power. It's, it's a hard book to find, but it's by Eric Savage. So those two books were really instrumental to wanting me to, I don't know, immediately planted the seed that, okay, I want to live international. I want to have a global lifestyle, not just a, a cool local lifestyle. I like the sound of that. <clears throat> yeah, so I went with that, with that vision. And then I just started doing research. I subscribed to all kinds of newsletters like Sovereign Society and you know various other newsletters at the time. And yeah, they were basically raving about Panama. Panama kept being raved and rated number one. It needed a lot of the criteria that I was looking for. Number one, it's hot. I love heat. I'm done with the winters. So, <laughs> which I know you're living in Florida, you're on board. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I was looking for was really favorable tax type of environment, especially as a Canadian. So Panama meet that criteria as well. And when I moved there, I didn't I actually didn't expect this, but uh, the women <laughs> were quite, it was like a candy land, right? Not, not just in terms of how they look, but their attitude and how approachable they are. So for all, listen, right, I, I, there's, there's probably a lot of single guys listening to this. It's so much better out there, <laughs> you know. That's all I can say. Like, get your ass on a plane. You don't need to go to the seminars and learn all the pickup stuff. All you need to do is get on a plane and fly to some of these countries. And that's also why a lot of guys like South Asia, right? I mean, the Philippines. It's, it's also like sure. that. So the women, it's it's great. And again, not just for the uh, frolicking around and the craziness. Although I, I did that for a while, but you know, just their approachability. You know, I find. In a lot of the major North American cities, there's a lot more walls that women have and they're not as easy to just say, hey, hey how's it going? How are you? So you don't have any of that there. And yeah, I, I love, uh, it's a little more chaotic down there, more chaotic than North America again. So I thrive in that, although it is getting more and more first world, which is fine. And relative to the other options in Central America, it's by far the, the most metropolitan city, right? It looks like Miami, feels a little bit like Miami. I mean, Costa Rica, San Jose is, for example, I don't like San Jose as a city. So I'm not ready to move out to the beaches or move in the mountains. I love city living in Panama, satisfies that for me. Wow, interesting. And you mentioned a few things, including the taxes, the women. Yeah, I, I've been to Costa Rica and San Jose. It wasn't nice when I was there. It was interesting for sure. But by the way, I just trained a client today who is from Panama and you know they go back there regularly and she's told me a bit about it. Very interesting and I have some friends that went and moved down there and, and did real estate and 
they're living the life. They go fishing a lot. So yeah, I know I'm destined to get down there eventually. Very cool. So Matt, we've talked a lot about the martial arts and and your entrepreneurship, and which I want to come back to in a bit. But let's talk about health and fitness right now. Mm-hmm. You're a guy who I can see that we have had similar paths. I know you probably were used to work out all the time and read all the information and put it all into use. And now you've gone through this process. You're not a fitness professional anymore. You are a business owner. In fact, you own multiple businesses and you've got all types of things going on. So how does health and fitness factor into your life? And what do you do to stay in shape to handle all this traveling and business running that you have to do? Well, it's foundational, right? I mean, you know, I think without it, after three days or four days of not working out, my energy, my level of vitality, my level of personal power and and whatever else you want to call it, mojo, starts to drop. So it's just foundational to having the juice needed to operate at at peak performance. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of components to that. I mean, the fitness, I train five days a week, and uh, I train very high-level, tough workouts, you know, 60, 70 sets, usually in 60, 70 minutes. So it's pretty much nonstop. Wow. Uh, and, and going on, yeah. What do you do? Bodybuilding, uh, strongman-style training? I do, you know, kind of a, a combination of a little bit of, of bodybuilding with, you know, some body weight stuff. And because I, I find with just the bodybuilding stuff, I don't get enough of a cardio workout. So that's where I just, I'll put two, three exercises to, together and do a, a triplex or a quadplex. So for an example, the first exercise might be an incline dumbbell press. And then after that, I, I might go to 25 bodyweight squats and then I might do uh, crunches on the ball. So that's an example of a triplex. And then I'll do that three, four sets. So I'm still getting a little bit of the bodybuilding effect from the, the, the first exercise but I'm keeping my heart rate up and, and burning a lot of calories. Nice, and, uh, efficient, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it is a little bit like CrossFit, but CrossFit for me, I feel where they lack is in scientific strategic progression, right? I mean, they're really uh, workouts, but as a trainer, you know that you got to plan out, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks and move things up the right way or move things down terms of volume and, and otherwise you get hurt and a lot of people do get hurt with CrossFit. So yeah, no, absolutely. I, I've never done cross. Well, I've, I've done a few of the wads and I was like, all right, yeah, okay. I get it. I mean, doesn't match the type of training I used to do to get ready for a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition. Yeah. Uh, Cause that was way more intense, 10 minute long matches with two, a fresh guy every two minutes. Yeah. That pushes you like no weight workout can, but yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. So interesting. And do you have any things that you do, like a morning ritual, or do you do any biohacking or sleep hacking or take special supplements? I know you have a supplement company. Do you do anything special that maybe? I do all of it. <laughs> okay, there you go. I do, I do all of it, actually. So looking good, I mean, there's three components, right? There's looking good, which a lot of guys start with, right? You're obsessed with wanting to build more muscle. Then there's functionality in terms of being able to, again, go to to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament and perform or do some athletic endeavors. And then the third component is really your health. And when I say health, we're talking about 
awesome health. Not just not being sick. I'm talking about being at a different level of, of operating. So yeah, I, that's really where my passion has been uh, for the last decade. So I'm going to drop a lot of different things. Number one, I'm a huge, huge proponent of sleep. Here's a bunch of little sleep tips and tidbits. Number one, make your room cold, right? But 65 degrees Fahrenheit is optimal. Number two, this is one of the biggest upgrades I've made. And again, I've tried a lot of different things, but I couldn't believe the difference. And that's using blue light blocking glasses about two hours before going to bed. Because here's been my biggest challenge relating to sleep. I just don't want to go. Yeah. And then I realized, I realized it's just the lights that are just jacking me up, you know? So the orange glasses are working for you. Like magic. Like wow. I, I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe. So it's actually making me tired earlier, which is great. But then I find the quality of the sleep. I, you know, I've heard it so many times where, yeah, every hour you get before midnight or whatnot, it's like worth two. And I didn't believe it, frankly, but I have to say I've experienced it and it's true. So that's been huge. I like to sleep next to an Elandra air ionization machine. It's an Australian machine. It's called the E-L-A-N-R-A. And you can measure it. I've, I've measured the ion level. It's through the roof. So I like to put that next to my bed. I've experimented with grounding sheets. I used to sleep with grounding sheets. Those will have a good effect, I find, for a couple weeks, and they help reduce inflammation in the body. So, so those are cool. You can Google uh, grounding sleep sheets, and there's a great book called Earthing, which is uh, all about that. And you know, as far as waking up, the first thing I do just pound like half a liter of ionized alkaline microclustered water, right? So that's the first thing I do. And that just wakes up the brain. I mean, if you have some water that's absorbable and goes right into your body. And then of course I drop in the water, I have seven, 10 drops of the primer gen minerals and the primer gen vitamins. So these vitamins and minerals are in a fulvic acid base. And fulvic acid is how nature disassembles nutrients and absorbs them. So mm. the absorption rate you get from these vitamins and minerals is unlike anything else. Plus the minerals have over, you got to set over 70 different minerals. So you're really getting all the trace elements and it really gives you a different level of energy. And if you're into coffee, you put seven, 10 drops of each of those in your coffee, it just turbo boosts the effect of, of everything else. I'm not a, I'm trying not to drink too much coffee, but when I do, I'll, I'll pop that in there. That's my uh, spiel on sleep. Anything else you want to elaborate on that component? Yeah, no, that's cool. I, what I do is I read before bed and I've never tried the glasses, but you inspired me to go get them and to go experiment with them. And the, some of the other things you mentioned, I've never done the grounding sheets. I'll have to check that out. But I'm interested in the supplements. I'll have to get that link from you and I'll throw it up on the, the show notes uh, yeah. to check that out. And for anybody else who wants to, yeah, you know, just experiment with things. And if it works for you, keep doing it. And if it doesn't, don't do it. You know, it's pretty uh, simple approach. Well, cool, man. Awesome. That's plenty to experiment with. Let's talk a little bit about the non-jobs event because that's mm -hmm. where I first heard about you. And which, by the way, I think this is really cool because I was talking to someone who was listening to the show. Actually, we were doing a Google Hangouts. And I was like, guys, you don't understand. There's so many people who are living 
very exciting lives and they're making money and they have businesses and they're like, ooh, I don't know, you know, there's just the celebrities that I see in mainstream media and then there's me. And you're a perfect example of that, Matt. And you're not a celebrity per se, at least like mm-hmm. mainstream level, but you're a guy who's living this awesome lifestyle, this global lifestyle. And you know, you got a lot of cool things going on, multiple seven figure businesses. And mm-hmm. anyway, so I just wanted to throw that in because of that conversation that I had with the, the group of guys, you're a perfect example of what people can achieve if they follow the, the tips that you say in this podcast and also some of the stuff that you teach at non-jobs. You've already alluded to non-jobs a little bit and talked Mm -hmm. about it. Can you talk a little bit more about why you guys put it on and what the goal is? Non-jobs is all about turning your passion into profits. So, you know, Dave Rule, Elliot Hulse, who's one of the biggest fitness guys in the world, and myself, we've been working together on some other things and Elliot, a couple years back, kind of just threw up this idea of non-jobs, right? Basically, the idea is if you do what you love, you'll never feel like you're working a day of your life. And that's where they're, like, the idea of a non-job is. It's not not working. It's not feeling like you're Get working. paid and never do anything. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Some of the guys were saying that, I guess, in the, the forum. And it's just like, come on, guys. It's obvious what they're talking about. You know, it's kind of silly. Yeah. Some people. Like within six weeks, we resurrected it and said, let's throw an event. And you were there. We, we sold out. We, that's, that's as many seats as we could fit in there. 105 people. And here's the, the, the God's honest truth about it as far as my experience it was one of the most fulfilling things I've ever been a part of because, you know, I could relate to everybody being there. I was that guy. I used to go to seminars when I was 23, 24, even earlier with the self-defense stuff. So I understand that the drive, the burning desire to to want to build a legendary life, to want to build a great life. And so to be able to, to pass it on, because I really believe fundamentally that you only get to keep what you give away, what you pass on. So it was amazing to kind of come full circle and be able to impart. So right now we're going to the next level, which you're going to find out some announcements in the next couple months. But we are having another huge event. It's going to be bigger, better. We're expecting around 300 people this time. It's going to be amazing. So we're really trying to yeah, build a movement of people that become great examples that, that turn their passion to profits and we got some really cool ideas coming up that beyond the summit. So it's exciting times and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, I've already shared this story a few times, but just to briefly touch on it again, I was in a bad mood from, you know, I've had a non-job for a long time, the whole personal trainer thing when I figured I was just unemployable in the traditional sense, right? But I was in a bad mood. Things weren't working. I was struggling. I was just in a bad mood. And, and you guys really lifted me up. Elliot was so motivational. You, he opened. And then you blew me away as far as the, the actual like, okay, take this content and go and apply it in your business. You blew me away with that. I thought you just had, you have such, I'll just leave it like this. It's obvious why they call you the mad marketing scientist. You know, you, you delivered on, on that front. I'm curious, man, for me, it was awesome, but definitely Elliot is a particular 
flavor. Either you love the guy or you dislike him, right? And he has plenty of haters and people who are detractors, whatever you want to call them. What type of person would you recommend non-jobs event for with, with all of you guys and what you put on? I think no matter where you're at on your non-jobs journey, you're going to get what you need, whether it's hardcore money-making skills, which is probably more my arena, whether it's to get excited to get a massive vision and pumped up with Elliot or to get the operational execution stuff from Dave. That's how we complement each other in our own businesses. And that's really what we do as well in terms of the content. And this year we're going to have some new speakers as well. Some more, some people that have grown through the non-job movement, people that have become successful at the next level, thanks to non-jobs. So they're going to be sharing their stories Yes, yeah, so yeah, no yeah is gonna. Yaya is an interesting guy, very uh, young, but man, I've, I watched his talk on his website, and he just killed it with that talk he did for those kids, man, uh, those college yeah, kids, I guess. Yeah, he's very compelling speaker. And I gotta uh, say, I've been again, I've been watching. We friended up each other on on Facebooks at the event, and I've been watching what you've been doing, and it's been a lot of fun to see you get out there. And, you know, for example, start this podcast and do a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying that non-jobs deserves all the credit, but, you know, that's what it's about, right? It, it's really just inspiring people and then people go out there and do their thing. And it just, it's a beautiful process. Yeah, I started this year and a half before the whole non-jobs thing. But I'll mm-hmm. tell you something, you guys not only refreshed my enthusiasm, and I'm being 100% sincere no bullshit when I say this. It, it really, I was in such a bad fucking mood when, when I went. And that's kind of why I went. I was like, yeah, Elliot, he's a really interesting fitness guy. I don't know who Dave and, and, and Matt are, these other guys, Sherman, uh, Wade, but you know, they look cool. But you know what? I just need to go to something. And if you resonate with that, with what I'm talking about, if you're going through something like that, Get to an event, and if you resonate with Elliot, with what Matt's saying right now, go back and listen to my interview with Elliot or Dave, and then, then go, because it's it's an awesome experience, and I know you guys are going to take it up to the next level. And I'll say something else. I appreciate you guys supporting me by coming on the show and sharing it, and that means a lot to me. And you know, I like we said earlier, the whole kindred spirit thing. Maybe we end up doing something together. Maybe we don't. But you know, I support you guys. I respect you guys. You guys are awesome. You're just an awesome bunch of dudes. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, you, you had a great point, which I think might be one of the biggest long-term benefits, other than what you learn and what are, what you go and apply, and that is. It's a rare experience. Like a lot of you guys listening, you're, you're probably in a small town. I, I was born and raised in a town of 340 people living in a dead-end street with the closest city being 30 minutes away. That's what I grew up with. So to have aspirations, to have big goals, to want to live a legendary life, I mean, it, it doesn't fit with most people's mindsets, right? You can't relate to them and they can't relate to you. So at non-jobs, it's a unique experience where everybody is on the same track. Everybody wants that amazing life. Everybody wants to turn their passion to profits and and get on that road. So it's great, man. And you build friends, right? You go out there, you'll build five, ten new friends that won't just be friends there. You'll maintain those lifelong bonds. And, and I know because 
a lot of my closest friends. I talked to one of my closest friends uh, yesterday on Skype, and we see each other once in a while. I met him 12 years ago at a marketing event. So that's just how it goes. And a lot of times you grow together, you joint ventures together, you might do products together. There's so many ways it can go that it's it's amazing. So that's really, I think, one of the biggest benefits of just getting your ass to an event. Uh, it definitely, as much as I appreciate everyone who listens to my show, it definitely is nothing like getting to an event and meeting people and connecting with them in person. A book's not going to do it. A podcast isn't going to do it. Yeah, so well said. So well said, Matt. Matt, let's close up with where do you want people to go? I'll put the non-jobs link up. Is there anywhere else where you'd like people to go and check out what you're doing? I'm going to start rolling out some personal branding stuff pretty soon. So because, yeah, I, I keep getting asked that. So just this is going to be a place where I'm going to share my views on things and share content and whatnot. So that's coming out soon. Maybe by the time this is released, you'll, you'll have a link. But Ted will put a link to the supplements down there. Uh, Buy Optimizers is, is the company. There's nonjobs.com, which is the event. And yeah, just Google my name and, and hopefully I've done a good enough SEO to pop up to the top by the time you hear this. Yeah, put entrepreneur on it because there's so a famous actor with your name. Matt. Yeah, it's a, yeah, he used to host the Animal Planet. Oh, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny. I've, got, I've received e- emails of, of random people thinking I'm him and uh, just going off on, uh, on X, Y, and Z. So yeah, it's, it's funny. All right, so this is not the Matt that people are going to Google. You'd be like, man, they didn't even talk about his Animal Planet show. That's weird. <laughs> That's not the Matt Glunt. Type entrepreneur. I'll have the other links up. And uh, do you want people to friend you up on uh, Facebook? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm opening up the doors for for friends. Cool. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for uh, spending your time and sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and your stories, man. You got some wild stories and you just opened up, brought in my perspective. And I know everyone listening had their perspective broadened as well, just about where you can come from and what you can achieve if you just do the right things, take the right actions and get around the right people. So again, thank you so much for your support. And I know this new non-jobs is going to be amazing and just looking forward to staying connected with you, man. Absolutely. I'm going to finish with this. Don't settle. It's worth going and taking the action and paying the price to live a legendary life. Wow. Beautiful. Matt Gallant, thank you so much. And we'll speak again soon. Take care, guys.